Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson. This program is produced weekly by the Christ Life Fellowship. Check us out, christ-life.org, and we'd love for you to look around, learn all about us, and learn about this in Christ message. We went back to the archives and found a wonderful, wonderful lesson from Warren Litzman, and we started it last week, part one. And this week, we're going into part two. The response has been tremendous, and we think you're going to love it. Here's Warren. One of the hardest verses of Scripture in the Bible for Bible scholars to deal with is Hebrews 5 and 8. It's a little verse that says that even though he, Christ, was the Son of God, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Now, I have followed writer after writer to see what they had to say about that verse, and it's amazing. They got all kinds of things to say about it, but unless they saw Christ as the life, they never understood it. Why was it that Jesus of Nazareth had to learn obedience? Why did he have to? He didn't really have to, but why was it that it did take place? It's simple. The God seed in Jesus of Nazareth, the thing that made him the Son of God, had in it suffering. For there was no way that life could come forth without that suffering. I could spend a lot of time telling you something about God, our Father. Why is it that God laid such an emphasis on suffering? He could have wiped sin away with his little finger. He could have blinked his eye and done away with all the transgressions of human beings. Why is it that Christ had to suffer? Why was there a cross? Why were there nails in his hands and a scourge to his back and a ribbon uh, side by spear and thorn holes in his skull? Why is it there was suffering and hurt and pain displayed at Calvary? Simple. That was in the Father. That's the way he was. That's the way he is. We call it in our teaching when we spend a long time on it, hurt love. The cross in the heart of God. What does that mean? That means that sometime, someplace, our Father was so desperately hurt that there is no way He can have returned love except by that same hurt. So when God put His seed in you, in that seed was that hurt. A fellow came to me not long ago and he said, I wish to God I had known this message years ago before I became a drunkard and a drug addict. I said, you need to turn that around. Thank God that by that you come to see this. Because that hurt and that pain was necessary to get you where you are. If you've got enough sense to see it, that was necessary. So you don't rebuke and lambast what's happened to you, but thank God you're now hearing the gospel. You're now getting the knowledge that makes the difference. In the seed that's in you is suffering and hurt. Peter said that by our suffering we cease from our sin. That's a pretty good statement. But I want to tell you now, 
in the God seed that's in you is suffering. Let's look at it clearly. If I never get to another point, you need to see this. That's not really him hanging on that cross. That's you. He never did wrong. He never sinned. But when he drank the cup in Gethsemane, you went into his body. I went into his body. We were all as sinners in him. In his body, Isaiah said, he bore our sins and transgressions. We got there by the cup. So you're in him. He'll bear your pain. He'll pay your price. He'll shed the blood. He'll take all of the punishment. But you're going to be right there with Him. That's in Him. Now let me ask you. When you were born again and brought into the family of God, what makes you think that you could come into this family and not have any of the family spirit or nature in you. Jesus didn't say to Nicodemus, you must be adopted. I'll just take you right out of your sin and adopt you. No. He said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Ah. We're not talking about adoption when you got saved. We're talking about a birthing. Why is that important? Because in adoption, we've got to take you with all of the past and all of the troubles and all of the trials you had. When we adopt the child in love, you take everything that's in the past and hope you can correct it. Salvation is not like that. Salvation is a birthing. Behold, all things become new. Old things pass away. Birthing is entirely different. And when you were rebirthed, you took the seed, the new seed from a new father in you who was to bring forth another life. And in that life, there's suffering. Now, the scriptures mention the process of adoption. What is adoption? Adoption is a self that didn't get changed when this seed was put into it. That by love, will change to that seed. You've been brought into this family as a self. And God wants you to find out something about this God family you're in. What's our background? What's happened to us? Who are we? He wants you to find that out. That's your whole reason for being on this earth, is finding out about this family. That's what Paul calls the process of adoption. Now you've been birthed, but that part of you that didn't get rebirthed, body and soul, has got to learn what happened in spirit. And that process is adoption. How can you come into a family that took its most priceless possession and killed it to get you, and you never have a feeling for it? You never have a deep root in you of things and love and spirit. How is it we have grown up in a world that says, God's a giver, get all you can, when actually we've been taken into this family where a father killed as a sacrifice the most precious thing he had just to get you 
Don't you think that spirit, that idea, that truth, that act should take hold in you sooner or later? Don't you think it should? That along the way there should be some giving, some love, some sacrifice, some commitment, some depth. More than going to church, more than being religious, more than getting blessings. Do you not think that the seed in you is not from that Father who had that spirit to give up his greatest just to get you a sorry sinner that ought to have gone to hell. But what audacity do we Christians continue to think that God is good and God will give us all. There's no hurt, there's no pain, there's no suffering. But what audacity do we claim to be a Christian? Your suffering won't make you a better Christian. Your suffering won't get you more salvation. Your suffering won't bring you more God's power. The suffering is the sign of who you are. Not what you're getting. It's the sign of the Christ that's in you, who is life, who is all. Well, you have that seed in you. And the next time you hurt and pain, look through it to Christ. See through it. Some folks called me this last week from the Northwest and said, we have a friend that's dying, told me a long story about this man that's dying. He's been very religious. He's been very scrupulous according to the law. He's done everything, and he can't figure out why God doesn't heal him and why he's got cancer. He's done everything. He's paid his tithe. He's gone to church. He's kept the law inside and out, and now he don't know why he's dying with cancer. They said, what should we do? I said, it's simple. He doesn't see Christ. He sees self adhering to all the outer things, but he's never had self broken and given to Christ. He's never given up to the Jesus that's in him. There's no commitment to the Christ that's in him. He hasn't seen Jesus yet. Good Christian, born again, has Christ in him. But he's never seen Christ as his life. Well, it's a bit solemn, isn't it? But you've got to know that seed is in you. Instead of you grumbling and griping next time about how hard your lot is, look through it and see Jesus. Next time you try and you fail, look through it and see Jesus. Next time you can't put it all together, look through it and see Jesus. Because that's a part of the storm and the wind and the rain that's working on your hull. And once you see that and get your attention off of how much you hurt and how important it is that his life come forth, it'll work. When you get your eyes off yourself and what's happening to you and that hull, and turn your attention to the life that's in you, Christ in you. Everything will work out. This whole book confirms it. That's when it works. When you stop asking for self to have no more wind, rain, and storm, you're working against yourself. When you allow what it is you see happening to you turn you to Christ, 
then the life begins to flow. The life. But let's look at another part of this seed. There's a second important thing that's in this seed, and that's character. Character. God characters in the seed. Character comes from the provocation of the planting of the seed, and that's up to a father. One of our believers in this message that's been in it the longest talked to me this past week about the seed, for he had come across something that had stimulated him. We are able to make parallelisms of the father planting the seed and the believer equal to a earthly father putting the seed in a mother. And by that conceiving, but he came across what I've often said, there is a radical difference at a certain point. In order for a husband and wife to have a seed to bring forth another person, there must be total cooperation on both their parts. The seed must be put in the fallopian tube and the embryo take the seed and form the conceivement. But there's a radical change with God. When he puts the seed in, he asks for nothing from the recipient except they believe. And once the seed is placed, it takes absolutely no cooperation from the believer for the seed to be real. What does the scripture say? For grace, by grace you are saved. And by grace, you're kept seed. Let's change the word grace to Christ, which gives it fuller meaning. By Christ, you're saved. And by Christ, you're kept saved. Romans 5 and 10. What does that mean? That means very simply, once God puts the seed in you, the seed is there and there is life. If you never do a blessed thing with it, if it never reaches an embryonic stage, if it never is conceived on your part, once you believed, the seed is in you. Had God left it for our cooperation outside of simply believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, which is really a work of the Holy Spirit, had he left it to our cooperation, we would have gone through life saying, I must take care of the seed, I must do this, I must do that. And God's plan would have been lost. Actually, that's what we did in religion. We trusted religion to take care of the seed. No, once God places the seed, the life is there. Whether you know it, understand it, accept it, whether you conceive it or not, makes no difference. Then what's in the seed? The God character. I can never talk about this long enough, so I'll be short. Inside of every one of you is God's character, the ability to have God's character. Somebody says to me, I just can't live the Christian life. That's because you're going outside of yourself to all of these other voices. Why do I say that? In you is the God character by which you can live the life. 
I don't know whether you watch much that's going on in the world today. You remember this couple over in Kentucky been in a court trial now two or three years. They got a divorce, and they had a bunch of embryos stored away in a freezer. And, and finally, the judge ruled on it this last week. And he said that both of them have a right to it. <laughs> I don't know why it took them all those years. I could have told them that in the first month, but they didn't ask me. You see, the whole world's got to come to that. The woman thought they were hers. It was his seed, the man's seed, but the woman thought they'd been given to her, and so she was the one that controlled it. The judge is ordained of God in his decision, because they both have a hand in it. It's what abortion's going to come to. Finally, in abortion, they're going to come to the fact that the male seed is the provocation for the life, and it must be considered. You can't keep on ignoring it and talk about women's rights, because the male is the provocation of the seed. That's what the judge ruled on. I was glad to read that. The whole world's going to come to that for over because the seed business is a God thing. God has to do with life and death and so forth. It's a God issue. The life that is in the seed is the God life. Now, talking about seed, we have these sperm banks. And we got all of these uh, women looking up the background of all the male sperm. And what are they looking for? They're looking for character. Whatever kind of character they are is what they want to produce. But they're looking for character. So they think that if we get the, the, the seed, the sperm of a man who's smart, then I'll, with all my smartness added to it, really produce a smart offspring. Looking for character. Well, it works like that. Back in history, uh, going all, by, all the way back to medieval times, kings tried to marry queens or offsprings of kings or queens. If you followed the history of Europe, you'll see there was a mess constantly going on because they were trying to marry the right people to the right people to get the kind of character they needed for the next ruler or the next king. Take Rockefellers and rich people. They are very studious in teaching who they should marry, who, who they should bring into the world, because great sums of money are involved, and they'd like to have somebody that had enough character to handle great sums of money. Now, when you were rebirthed, a miracle took place in as dumb and ignorant and far off as we were from anything good. Almighty God, our Father, put His seed in us, in the person of Christ, as a gift. So that the most ignorant, foolish, and bewildered among us could be completed to be what the intention of God was in our creation by that seed He put in us. Which means that every one of you, regardless of what you think you are, have the God seed of character in you. So that the very character traits of Almighty God can be emphasized by you. Or that seed to have control in yourself. man come to me, and he said, I can't quit my habits. 
I said, you're saved, aren't you? Yep. You've been born again. Yep. I've even been filled with the Spirit. But I can't quit my habits. I said, that's strictly in your mind. Because the God character in you can do anything God wants done. Anything. That means that every one of you in this room have the power within you to rule totally over yourself. It's Galatians 2 and 20. I am crucified. My hole is broken open. Nevertheless, it appeared that I died, but I didn't. I merely released the life in me. The life I now live is Christ. Christ liveth in me. Once that reaches your soul, your mind, you can do anything you want to do. You can do what is righteous. You can do what is good. Not to please me, not to please somebody else. But to please your Father, because the seed that is in you, when it operates through you, the God character comes by you, and God is pleased. That's why I don't stand here and say, you've got to do what I do. You've got to live it like I live it. You've got to think like I think. Because the God seed in you is only fixed in you according to who God made you to be. So every one of you have the God character in you. You've got character in you. Don't ever say you can't do it. It isn't in me to do it. It is in you because it's in the seed. If it's in the seed of a Rockefeller for them to handle money, it's in the seed of Christ in you for you to live righteousness. I won't stand here and tell you what righteousness is, but righteousness is what it is that fulfills you and God's creation. That's righteousness. You can't live it. You can't live for God. You can't do what is right. You can't bind yourself up by asceticism and say, I'm going to force myself to do this. You can only give in to that seed. That seed has character in you. That seed has, has God character in you. That's why most of us in this place will never fit into another stereotype church. Because they don't see God's character coming through us. They see us all as Baptist or Methodist or Assembly of God or Nazarene or Catholic. But the fact is that God character in you is going to come out of you like God made you. And it's going to come out in a rumble at the beginning. It's going to come out stinking maybe at first. But the longer you hear and the more your mind is renewed, the more that God character is going to flow out of you. What's in this God character? What's in this seed? Nine fruit. Aha, you didn't know that was in you. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, temperance, goodness. Nine fruit that comes out of this seed. How does it do? It comes through you. Some of you begin to love others for the first time. I can tell it. I can tell when I hug some of you. That's different for you. You've not begun to see Christ in others. Some of you hated religious people. Don't blame you. Some of you hated Christians. Don't blame you for that either. Some of you hated yourself. You didn't love yourself. But when we begin to love one another, that's His love coming forth. That's the fruit of the seed that's in us. There's no good in me. It's the fruit of the seed. Makes us gentle, temperate, good. We've all got a long way to go. 
to get away from scrawny fruit. Most of us are bearing very scrawny fruit right now. And some years go by and we don't bear any. But the seed is in us and the seed's going to produce the fruit. That's in you. Everything that's in Galatians 5 is in you. In your flesh is every horrible thing, it says. And in Christ, the seed in you is all of the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is the fruit from the seed. You're bearing the seed. But you not only have the fruit in you, you have the ministries in you. Nine ministries. Ministries of Christ. Nine gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12. You have the five offices in that seed. Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. Every one of you in this room have that in the seed. You may not bear that fruit, but it's there. It's in every one of you because it's in the seed. Those are Christ's ministries. They're not men's ministries. If I no longer live, I have no ministry. That's hard to take, isn't it? If I no longer live, I have no ministry. Then who has them through me? Christ. They're Christ's ministry. That's in the character. That's in the character. It's in you. You say, well, a man said to me one time, said, I just can't quit fussing and fighting all the time. He was Scotch. He said my grandpa was Scotch and he fought, fought all the time. And my papa was Scotch and I'm Scotch and my kids are Scotch and said you can see Scotch all over the place. You know what he needed told? Scotch is dead. No such thing as Scotch anymore. In Christ there are no Scotchmen, no Irishmen, no Mexicans, no Gentiles, no Jews, no bond, no free, no barbarian, no Scythian. There's none of that anymore. So the next time you get in a fuss with your wife or husband and they say, well, that's just your old nature coming up, say, I ain't got no nature. What that is, that's an outer attack of the devil on my mind, and my mind is not renewed to who I am, so I'm acting like a sinner. That's why some believers are no different from sinners. They act like them. Talk like them. Think like them. But you have God character in you. That God character is in you now. Now, you can live ignorant of it if you want to. You can say, well, he said it, but I don't believe it. But if you let the Holy Spirit talk to you, he'll tell you you've got the God character in you. Your problem's in the head. He's there, but he can't get through. And when your mind takes hold that I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me, Christ has love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, temperance, patience, and so forth, when that fruit begins to be born in you, you can come to rest. You can rest for the first time. It's not you that lives. It's Him that lives. He liveth. Well, I'm going a little over time. You want to go with me on one more? I had four points. In that seed is longevity. In the seed. It not only will never die, it's eternal. The God life in you is eternal life. John said, Beloved, 
now we have eternal life. Dwelling in us. Living in us. It's eternal life. I'm probably talking to somebody today whose mind thinks backsliding rather than longevity. Every time you get a hold of God and get close to Him, something happens, somebody steps on your toes, the devil whispers something in your ear, or the church does something, or grandma does something, and so you just quit. You just give up. You just backslide. You take a step backward instead of going forward. Your trouble is you don't understand the seed never backslides. The seed never leaves you. You're going to go through hell in this suffering business sometimes. But the seed will never leave you. The comforter never goes. Christ will never leave you nor forsake you. The longevity in that seed is unbelievable. If you have a tendency in your mind to go backwards instead of forwards, I need to tell you the seed remains. Longevity. Always there. Always continuing. Why don't you look at some some scriptures with me? Philippians 2 and 12 says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You ever see that verse? That's one of the best law verses for the lawyers in the Bible. Work out your salvation. I used to preach on that all the time, and I'd say, folks, you're really working at it if you make it Sunday night and Wednesday night and the prayer meeting and bring an offering every time. You're really working it out. That isn't what it means. Work out your salvation. Now, there are a thing we call paradoxes in the Scripture. Paradoxes. You know what a paradox is? A paradox is when it appears that two things are opposite, and yet they are necessary to the whole. Two things are opposite. A paradox. This verse of Scripture is a paradox. It says, work it out. Well, that appears that there's something you need to do. But there's another verse of Scripture that says, He that hath begun a good work in you shall continue. Ah. That's a paradox. It means that neither one of those work without the other. Where is the work for the believer? Well, the work for the believer is this, this uh, tripartite man finally coming to the understanding that there's something he needs to do. Here you are. Well, let me, let me change the, the diagram. Here is the believer. At the center of his being, he has Christ, the germ. And then he has the mind, the soul. Then he has the body. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Every one of you have the God seed in you, but getting that God seed through mind and body, which is what we call the self, is an artist, arduous task. I mean, it's an awesome job. Because there's nothing you can do to put the seed here or keep it here. Longevity, eternal life dwelleth in us. But getting that life through this believer is an awesome task. 
Why is it awesome? Because love is involved. God wants his self to have enough interest in this seed bearing fruit that we will concentrate on it. What's the work we must do? We must work out our salvation. That is, this self turns to the Christ that is within you to work it out. Work it out. Work it out. What does it mean to work it out? All right? You work it out when you understand the CNS gang. When you see Christ in the CNS gang, you're working out your salvation. Work it out. Where do I work it out? Well, I have a little issue to come up. Uh, Molly had an issue to come up over some carpet laying. Now, her responsibility of mind is to work out her salvation in that issue. What does it mean? Let Jesus flow through that issue. Doctor tells you, uh, uh, I'm sorry, this is really serious. You're either going to have to have an operation or, or it may not help you and uh, all such as. Now you've got something to work Christ out of you. What are you going to do with that situation? That's a CNS gang working on you. How are you going to work it out of you? See, when, uh, when uh, Rita got hurt, uh, these two worked, worked it out. He went and pasted right on the broken pane. It don't matter what they do. They worked it out their way. They worked Christ through the issue so that they said the Lord is in charge. That's where you work it out. You got all of these situations happening to you. Now, what you need in those situations is not what uh, uh, Bruce Williams would say or somebody else would say. What you need at that point is to work Christ through it. Why? You're a Christ person. You're a Christian. You need to work it out. You have, you have eternal life in you. So the paradox is we work it out in these situations, but he that is in us shall continue and never stop. That's a paradox. As you work him into every situation, he that is in you shall continue until the day of the Lord. Judgment. I'm going to stop there. There's a whole bunch of good news in the seed that's in you. If you just knew what was in you, if you just understood what was in you, you go by your feeling, you'll never know. Because this mind is your problem. This mind has been reaching out here for all kinds of advice and help that's not turning you to where your source of life and power is in Christ. That's why over 200 times the New Testament tells us we're in Christ. That's why the New Testament says in Christ means one with Him, where we remove all of these barriers and this whole person is a Christ person. In body, soul, and spirit. Well, you don't need to be defeated. This is where the new life is. If you listen to what it is the Spirit has to say in these meetings long enough, it'll begin to work. I encourage you to the tapes. Keep listening to the tapes. Get the tape from today, because you're not going to get most of the things I said today. Everybody eating, moving around, doing all these things. You need to get the tape. Put it one in the bathroom and get another and put it in the car. That's the two places you rest the most. 
And uh, listen, it isn't what I say, it's what the Spirit says by what I say that will make the difference to you. Get the books. Somebody said to me, uh, what is it we should do in study? Get this new book. It gives you the whole resume of this message in the Believer's Secret of Happiness. Get it. Give it to somebody else. Because in you is the seed already. If you have no confidence in God, if you don't believe there's life in that seed, if you don't believe there's character in it and there's power in it, then you're not really saved. But if you're born again, you know that what God did was a God doing, and it works. Put your confidence in Him and in the seed that's in you and begin to listen and hear what the Spirit has to say. And remember... You'll never get closer to Christ outside of you than that person right next to you. You don't really need to run to one of us preachers. You need to turn to those that are nearest you and see Jesus in them. And by that, you see Christ in yourself. This is the conclusion of the message. You may write Warren and Robbie Litzman at Christ Life Fellowship, Post Office Box 17307 in Dallas, Texas, zip code 75217. Again, that's Christ Life Fellowship, Post Office Box 17307 Dallas, Texas 75217. Remember, you can say to one another, we see Jesus in you. We're going to stop right here. We hope you've enjoyed this wonderful lesson today, this wonderful study from Warren Litzman. Boy, does he have a way of explaining things that just make sense. They hit home, and we hope you've enjoyed it too. Hey, don't forget to check us out at our website, Christ-Life.org. Read all about us. Also, find out how you can start your own in-home church using our In Christ messages absolutely free. That's Christ-Life.org. Robbie Litzman, thank you for allowing us to go into the archives each week. Also, we'd like to thank Valerie Hill, who does our Twitter account. Tammy Laycock, she does our weekly podcast notes. And this program is produced weekly by the very talented Teresa Ferraro. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ life.